Welcome to It's All Relatives Read Aloud Book Club. I'm Carol Matthews-Nicoli with... And I'm Laura Matthews. <laughs> Sorry. Two generations discussing a book we both love about yet another generation of the 1950s. The book is Double Date by Rosamund du Jardin, <laughs> the first of four in the Penny and Pam series. In alternating episodes, we're recording reading a chapter out loud and then discussing it. Mm-hmm. And we are now on chapter 20, the ultimate last chapter of this book where we get to all the loose ends get to be tied up. So thanks for joining us for Senior Prom, dun, dun, dun. where we left off in the last chapter. Um, Mike had finally revealed that he'd figured out which sister he liked best. He told Penny about it and Pam <laughs> had, a, had a moment, but she dealt with it. And now they're all everything's all peachy. So now we're moving into the big finish for the year. Time alternately flew and dragged during the next few weeks. Sometimes Penny thought that prom night would never come. Then again, it seemed she couldn't possibly squeeze in all the things she had to do before then. Relax, Mike kidded her. You're so excited, I'm afraid you're going to take off like a skyrocket. Already their association had assumed a sort of form or pattern. Mike, there's a typo. Mike would come over to see her through for next week, or Mike came over to see her three. I'll go with would, okay? Mike would come over to see her three or four nights a week. Sometimes they went out and sometimes they didn't, depending on their mood and the state of Mike's finances. But whether they did something special, like going into Chicago to a show, or whether they just took a walk or sprawled in front of the record player, listening and talking and eating popcorn, both of them enjoyed it. The important thing was being together. There were so many things to talk about, so many interesting discoveries to be made about each other, how they thought and felt, what they planned to do with their lives. Mike, Penny learned, wanted to be a teacher. Maybe I'll never get rich, he grinned, but it's a good life with time for reading and writing, all the things I like to do. And I think it's an important job. Penny thought so too. She felt proud of Mike and happy in the understanding that seemed to grow and deepen between them day by day. During those crowded, busy weeks, two surprising things happened. Mother got quite an overwhelming commission to do an extensive job of decorating at the country club which meant that Howard House was firmly established and Celia's professional reputation assured. It was Gran, however, who sprang the biggest surprise. One evening at dinner, she announced out of a clear sky that she and Lucius Hancock had decided to get married. It's only sensible, Gran said firmly. We're very fond of each other and you'll be able to manage without me now that the girls are practically grown up. And Lucius is so lonely, rattling around in that big house of his all by himself. Mother, her eyes suspiciously bright, got up and went around the table to give Gran a hug and kiss. Darling, she said, we'll miss you dreadfully, but I think it's wonderful. I know you'll be happy. Lucius is a grand person. Pam and Penny kissed Gran and wished her happiness too. But when they were all seated again and the excitement had cooled down a little, Pam looked at Penny and started to laugh. And Penny knew exactly what she was laughing at, so she got convulsed with mirth, too. What's wrong with you two, Mother demanded, frowning. And Gran looked quite huffy until Pam explained between giggles, 
It's just that we had mother practically married to Paul and nothing came of that. But we didn't even dream that you and Lucius, she dissolved into laughter once more. By now, they were all laughing together. It was a very gay meal. And when Lucius came over later, the warmth and gaiety continued. He seemed just like one of the family. But then Penny realized he had seemed that way for quite a long while, only they hadn't noticed it. Finally, it was only days until the prom. Such full days, bubbling with such sweet excitement. The dance was to be held at the country club. Pam and Randy were double dating with Penny and Mike. And afterwards, the Kirkpatricks were turning their pine-paneled rumpus room over to their son and his guests. Randy had asked Pam and Penny to suggest all the people they'd like invited to his post-dance party. So it was to be quite a mixed crowd. Both the Headlines Club and Pep Club would be well represented. Penny was going to wear the lovely dress Gran had made her for the Cupid caper. And Gran had made Pam one just like it, only in yellow instead of green. But the off-the-shoulder necklines, the little stiff black lace peplums were identical. Never before had Penny looked forward to an evening with such anticipation. She had little hope of being chosen prom queen. But just to be one of the nominees to have her friends and headlines out campaigning for her was a big thrill. It seemed to Penny that she had more friends than she realized. So many people stopped her in the halls at school to wish her luck. This was due partly, she realized, to her work on prom dates. The Bureau had matched up a considerable number of names. For the first time in school history, every senior girl who wanted to would be attending the big dance, and a lot of them figured they owed their chance to do so to Penny. You know, Maggie Wright told Penny one day as they were walking home from school together, you just might win. Penny hooted derisively at the possibility. With Pep Club backing Pam and Art Club solidly behind Lori McGregor, you mad dreamer. Yes, but Maggie broke, up, broke off with a little shrug. Well, we'll see. I don't want to get your hopes up. Don't worry, Penny laughed. You won't. At last, the magic night came. All day it had rained, but around dinner time, the skies cleared and the sliver of new moon emerged from its curtain of clouds like a prima donna taking an encore. Such a flurry of activity overwhelmed the upper floor of Howard House that no one even knew about the moon till much later. After an early meal, partaken of in pin curls and frenzied excitement by the twins, and in almost as great anticipation by mother and gran, the girls began getting ready. This involved a hectic succession of showers and manicures, of near despair over a curl that wouldn't set right, a slip strap that broke at the last minute, but finally, both Pam and Penny were ready, and it had only taken a little over two hours. You look wonderful, both of you, Mother told them, her eyes shining. And Gran agreed. They certainly do. You're just saying that, Penny teased, because you made our dresses. Naturally, Gran nodded. Mother laughed, collapsing on the couch beside Gran. I'm certainly glad there aren't any more of you. So are we, Pam said, slipping her arm around Penny. Two's company. The doorbell sounded then, and Pam begged, will you let the boys in, Mother? We want to make an entrance. As Celia went down the stairs, smiling, Pam and Penny rushed back into their bedroom. They giggled and whispered and fussed with their hair and makeup for a good 10 minutes before emerging into the living room again. Mike and Randy, who had been sitting on the couch, got to their feet hastily at the sight of the twins. Wow, Mike said, his blue eyes lighting. 
And Randy said, likewise. Randy and Mike look quite wonderful too, Penny thought, in their white dinner jackets and black trousers, especially Mike. He handed her a florist box and Penny thanked him and took out the orchid it contained. Oh, Mike, it's beautiful, she murmured, her entranced gaze lifting from the lovely flower to Mike's face. Pam was going through practically the same routine with Randy. Mother and Gran exclaimed admiringly over the corsages too. We'll just carry them till we get there, Pam suggested sensibly. Then we won't crush them with our coats. Goodbye, dears, Mother called after them as they went down the stairs. Have fun, all of you. Don't expect us home till late, Randy warned her. And Mother laughed, a reminiscent sort of laugh, and said, I won't. It's prom night. After he had helped her into Randy's car and climbed in beside her, Mike whispered against Penny's cheek, You'll really knock him for a loop tonight, baby. Am I a lucky guy? Penny thought, I'm the one who's lucky, as she turned her lips for Mike's kiss. The evening seemed to merge into a mad and lovely confusion once they arrived at the club. The big ballroom was decorated in blue and gold, the school colors. The music was smooth as cream. Penny had enough partners to make her feel flattered and desirable. She danced with Mike and Randy and Bob Purcell, then Mike again. She would just as soon have danced every dance with Mike, but of course she didn't tell him so. Mike said, hi, beautiful, when he took her in his arms for that second dance. Don't forget you're my girl. I won't, Penny murmured, feeling her heart bump happily under her pale green bodice. Then it was time for intermission and a drum roll drew everyone's attention and Silas and then it was time for intermission, and a drum roll drew everyone's attention and silenced the babble. Through the microphone, the orchestra leader requested all the candidates for prom queen to please line up on the bandstand. Come on, Penny, Mike caught her hand excitedly. He and Randy brought Penny and Pam to the foot of the steps. Together with the other nominees, the twins stood in the bright glare of the lights, smiling out over the circling crowd of faces. Isn't this fun? Pam whispered, squeezing Penny's hand. Aren't you popping? Penny could only nod. Even when the losers were winnowed out, she'd have this shining moment to remember. Another roll of drums and the school principal, Mr. Weaver, looking unaccustomedly formal and handsome in his dinner jacket, stepped forward. In his plump hands was a crown of imitation jewels. It is my great honor, he said portentously, to bestow this crown on the girl chosen by the vote of her classmates to rule over tonight's festivities as queen. Also, it will be my privilege to name the six girls who have been chosen by student vote to serve as her court of honor. But first, Mr. Weaver's slightly unctuous voice droned on and on, and Penny let her eyes and her attention wander. Mr. Weaver never could resist the opportunity to make a speech. Her seeking glance found Mike down there in the front of the crowd, and she smiled at him, and Mike beamed back proudly. At last, Mr. Weaver wound up his remarks, which had taken all of 10 minutes. And now, he said, it gives me great pleasure to place this crown on the head of the most popular senior girl at Glen Township High. As he spoke, he was moving down the line of candidates toward Pam and Penny. Pam's going to get it, Penny thought, the tension of waiting building up unbearably within her. Pam was feeling the tension, too, Penny realized, wincing slightly at the tight grip of Pam's fingers on hers under cover of the bouffant skirts of their dresses. Miss Penny Howard, Mr. Weaver said quite unbelievably, so that Penny stared at him blankly for a moment 
until she felt the slight pressure of the glittering crown as Mr. Weaver placed it on her head. Then she knew that it was true. She had been chosen prom queen, most popular senior. How it had happened, she couldn't imagine. But the weight of the crown on her head lent the absolute touch of reality. After that, there was applause, there was cheering. Pam hugged Penny and pressed her cheek tight against hers, not kissing her for fear of smearing their lipstick, but exclaiming, I'm so glad, Pen." If she was also surprised or disappointed, she hid it well. When the din had been quieted with another drum roll, the court of honor was named, Pam was among those. So Penny hugged and congratulated her too. And the losers descended, and the losers descended the steps of the bandstand, smiling as if they didn't care. All the rest of the intermission was filled with congratulations for the lucky winners, their friends clustering proudly about them. Penny's friends were the proudest of all, Maggie and Jean and Bob and so many, many others. More friends than Penny had known she had. And Mike, of course, Mike, standing there solid and smiling beside her, moving away only long enough for Penny to pose with her court for pictures to appear in the school annual, the crier, the Glenhurst Daily Journal. Ah, fame, Mike crackled, slipping his arm through Penny's when the music finally began again. Is it getting you down a little? Penny said, it's wonderful, but Pam, just behind her, put their feelings into words bluntly. But personally, I'd like to get off somewhere for a minute to catch my breath. You too, Pen? Penny nodded. And Randy, whose arm was through Pam's, said, I know just the spot. Follow me, chillin'. She led them down a hall to the trophy room, whose deep leather chairs and couches were inviting and deserted. Just the place, Pam murmured, collapsing onto a long couch. Won't you all join me? The four of them sat down side by side, deep on their spinal columns, their legs thrust out before them. Music filtered in faintly from the ballroom. Boy, Mike said, this is something like. Randy put his arm around Pam and she leaned her head on his shoulder. Mike's arm went around Penny. Pardon me, he said with mock gravity, but your crown's on crooked. Penny laughed and taking it off, set it on her lap. I still don't know how I happened to get it, she admitted. Shall we tell her? Mike asked the others. It might go to her head, Randy suggested. No, it wouldn't, Pam said. Penny's not the type to get carried away because she's the most popular girl in the senior class. But I'm not, Penny said. Not really. It was, well, maybe it was because of the date bureau. You see, Pam said, she's modest. Their eyes met in a long, level look of understanding. And Penny thought what a change the year had just passed had made in their relationship. They were as close or closer than ever. But it was a closeness now of mutual respect, not of one leading and the other following. No longer did she resent Pam or envy her. There was no cause to. As for friends, she might not win them so easily as Pam, but she had as many. Tonight had proved that. Maybe, Penny thought, the fact that you had to work harder for the things you wanted to achieve wasn't such a disadvantage after all. Who minded a little work when the results were so imminently satisfactory? Pam turned her attention back to Randy once more. Penny's glance fell on the crown on her knees. Its imitation jewels winked back at her. But she only stared at it for a minute, this tangible symbol of her achievement. Then her eyes lifted to Mike's. Hi, Queen, Mike said, his blue eyes reaching deep, his arm tightening around her. Hi, Penny murmured. As Mike's came down to meet hers, the crown slipped off her lap and lay on the thick carpet. And Penny didn't even notice. 
Dun, dun, dun. That's How? it. The book is over. Join us for we our discussion. It. Join us for our discussion of chapter 20 and probably the book in general in our next episode.